Welcome into the Bear Down Podcast. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. We talk Bears football with you on Tuesdays and Thursdays here on the ESPN Chicago app. You can also listen to our show, Black and Abdallah, weeknights 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000. Today's podcast, we're going to recap the NFL draft and we're going to recap what the Chicago Bears were able to do in bringing in 11 players from this year's draft. And Abdallah, when we look at this team and we kind of look at what uh, the Chicago Bears and Ryan Poles was able to do. He goes defense with his first two picks in the second round. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know anything uh, about what these guys are going to turn into or what they're going to be, but I can we can judge the process, right? Like, we can look at it in the same way we looked at, you know, when Ryan Pace was making moves in his process of uh, targeting a guy, moving up, and going and making sure that he got that guy. Well, I'm looking at this process the same way I looked at that process. And it's like, look, these there's a lot of dudes here. There are 11 players that are that were drafted, and a lot of them in the 5th, 6th, and 7th round. So the odds of those hitting are not great, but you never know. You might find two guys that turn into starters or good rotation guys. But as far as the three guys taken on day two with Kyler Gordon, Jaquan uh, Brisker, and Vilas Jones, when you look at those, I just look at the, like, yes, they're all positions of need. Corner is a position of need. Safety is a position of need. Wide receiver is a position of need. My only issue is taking Brisker, the safety out of Penn State, in the second round when you need day one starters on the offensive line and you need different ma- difference makers at wide receiver. And I think what we learned from this draft is that Ryan Poles thinks that this is a much longer rebuild than we think. I still think that they're going to win a few games. I still think that they're going to be competitive. But they think that this roster is a few years away, whereas we think this roster could be not necessarily turnkey, but like you can live in the house while they're making improvements to it if we're using the HGTV references that Ryan Poles was making last week. It's interesting. Last night on the show, I I said that, you know, I I think both players are going to be good, the two that you select in the second round. But I, I don't think I value the safety position as much as maybe other people do. And, and when I look at the defense, the safety is the least valuable member of that side of the ball. So, so to me, Brisker is going to have to be a multi-year starter, if not star for you, based on the value of the pick that you selected. And I would have preferred in that second, second round pick going wide receiver because I think with Vilas Jones, I, I think the questions are real based on uh, his, his lack of productivity as a route runner and also as a wide receiver. And I get it. You can pitch to me that that Jones could bring, bring it in the special teams game. But unfortunately, we don't necessarily need that right now. What, what Justin Fields needs is someone who can be a reliable every down receiver and someone who can move the chains. So I get the gimmick. And I get that the name Debo Samuel was thrown out there by Ryan Pace. And he said, I'm not comparing the players. But, and then he said Debo's name. He, he's the same type of guy that could give you different looks within the, the jet uh, sweep game or, or, you know, short passing game. And he's, mm-hmm. a ga- he's a guy that could run after the catch. I agree with all that stuff, but unfortunately to me, I think the most important thing for Justin Fields and his development is getting a strong second wide receiver he can rely on who's next to Darnell Mooney. And unfortunately, I don't think the Bears accomplished that with the selections that they made uh, in this year's draft. No, I mean, look, the most important player on the field is Justin Fields. The most important player on any football team is the quarterback. And are we going to look back 
at this draft and say, you know, maybe even as early as next offseason and say, man, George Pickens would have been great. Alec Pierce would have been great. Sky Moore would have been great. Taquan Thornton would have been great. Like all these wide receivers that were still on the board when Jaquan Brisker, who, look, like you said, could be a multi-year starter, could be a, a guy who is on this defense, who pushes Eddie Jackson, who's like, like, like this could be a legit player. He could be great. But this is about developing Justin Fields and making sure you have him on a track to compete in two years. We all think they're not going to be a playoff team next year, but they need to develop a chemistry. We need to see, like, I don't necessarily need to see Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, but I need to see something like that. I want that connection. And maybe they think that Darnell Mooney is going to be that guy. But I'm just afraid that we're going to look back and be like, wow, George Pickens is catching touchdowns. Alec Pierce is catching touchdowns. All these guys that were on the board that were still there are going to be there catching touchdowns way before uh, you know Justin Fields is ready. And we're still not going to have, as Bears fans, a number one wide receiver until now. Do we live in this new era of NFL? Do we live in a new era where the Bears are banking on, like the NBA, a wide receiver next year being disgruntled and saying, I want out. And then the bears being like, well, we got $140 million in cap space. Come on over. And they trade their first or second round pick next year and say, Hey, we've got X wide receiver. He's a proven commodity. He's a veteran in the game. He, we know what he's going to be. And they come in and that's who you quote draft in the first or second round next year. And then you give them a long-term contract because the, the bears have so much cash next off season. Well, you, you could do both. Right. Um, and I, I think both sides, uh, both objectives could, could be proven out to be correct. You could say you're going to draft the wide receiver. He becomes your star. That's how you help the, the quarterback. You could also say, go out and get that disgruntled wide receiver He'll help the quarterback because he's proven. Um, I, I think what we saw on Thursday and Friday, though, you know, Tennessee said, hey, our wide receiver wants big time money. All right, we'll trade him. We'll get back an asset and we're going to draft a wide receiver to replace that player at the cost that we want to spend. And, and I feel as if that is what a lot of teams are looking towards now instead of just paying for the big-name wide receiver. We could also look at Green Bay. What did they do in the offseason? Green Bay decided they trade their best wide receiver. And, and you could argue he's the best wide receiver in all of football. But they got back assets to continue to build the team because they know they can draft those guys and develop them. So, you know, Velas Jones, he may certainly turn out to be that stud. The Bears are going to have to develop him because what we saw at Tennessee is he was not the number one go-to wide receiver. He was a guy in space and in the special teams that was lethal. He is fast. He can do things. He can run out of the backfield. But now when we get into a situation where it's, you know, third and 17 and, and, and the defense knows you have to pass it, is Jones going to be able to be a solid route runner to be able to assist the quarterback when the defense is giving you up? You know, he, they're playing a, a, a kind of like protect Situation. They're trying to figure out, you know, you need to gain yardage. You need to score, but we're going to sit back and prevent, and we're not going to let you get to the sticks. Whether or not Jones could be that type of wide receiver, I'm not sold on that. And I think that's where if you name off the different names, like George Pickens seemed to be like that guy who could be a stud and a star mm -hmm. in the league. And I feel like the Bears missed out on something that was, was there for the taking for a position that I don't value as much in the safety position. And I think that's where the whole conversation uh, goes to with that whole, whole side of things of the draft. The Bears also 
Abdallah in the sixth and the seventh round, they had six selections. And they also took uh, overall in the 11 players that they brought in, four players on the offensive line. Uh, throwing resources at the offensive line is certainly something Ryan Poles needed to do heading into the draft. Yeah, cheap bodies. I mean, you know, that's what they are. They're cheap. They're they're not expensive because you're they're on their rookie contracts. They're sixth and seventh rounders, and that's what you need. You need to maybe you find a diamond in the rough. Like maybe you find a guy that you can. It's a good rotational player. Maybe you find your next. You know, uh, I don't know if you're going to find your next starting tackle for the next ten years uh, in the sixth or seventh round, but but you never know. Like you you know, and then they take another running back and Tristan Ebner out of Baylor. You know, he's uh, I think he led the conference in yards after the, or after the first touch, uh, after the first attempted tackle, uh, at Baylor. So he's, he could turn out to be someone really good, but these are like, look from the fifth round on, like you're just kind of throwing darts and hoping you hit on something, right? Like, I like the approach. I like the look, let's trade back. We've got guys, we need bodies. They're still there. Let's trade back. Let's keep trading back and keep trading back and let's get as many picks as we can. I mean, they walked in with how many and they walked out with 11. You know, they turned six picks into 11 picks. I think that's, I mean, they weren't high picks, but they're still guys that you can build off of. And next year when they have their first round pick and they have their second round pick and so on, and they're in a normal draft next year, then I think we'll actually see what, what Ryan Poles is made of and what he does with that first overall pick and what he does with that or first you know pick in the first round and, 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 and second round. But I mean, like, again, like I can't tell you if Doug Kramer, the center out of Illinois, is going to be a stud at, at, in that position for the next 10 years. I don't know anything about these guys, but I know that the approach that Ryan Poles is going for is just acquire as many bodies as possible. Let's fill out this roster. There are a ton of holes. And if a couple guys hit, great. And if they don't, guess what? They were seventh round draft picks, sixth round draft picks. It's not that big of a deal. He didn't reach up for anybody. Will we look at the safety and say maybe uh, Jaquan Brisker was a, a bit of a reach in the second round? Maybe. Was Velas Jones not the guy we turned out to be? Maybe. But as far as the later round guys, like I'm not, you know, that's what I wanted them to do. Go get more picks. Go find more bodies. Get some more, get some beef up front to protect Justin Fields. And I feel like that's what they got. Dominique Robinson, the uh, outside linebacker from Miami of Ohio, he was selecting the fifth round. Uh, I saw in a lot of draft reviews suggesting that the Bears got extremely great value for selecting that pick when they did. Uh, so, you know, if you get an edge rusher, someone who can assist with what you have already defensively, I think that's a spot. I also read with uh, Brisker, you got great value. And so, you know, we can lay out why we thought wide receiver was better. But then Ryan Poles and, and those who are reviewing drafts could say, yeah, but the value was get your call on Brisker. He's a player who uh, not a lot of teams – uh, where they, you know, their teams are sleeping on a player like that, and and you're you're maximizing the value of your selections. With that said, Jones Jr. is someone that the Bears kind of reached on. You know, like there are some places that projected him like 20 picks back uh, from mm-hmm. where he actually went in the third round. So you know, there, yeah. there's a lot to kind of look at. I I do say, like I don't want to speak out of both sides of my mouth with this, but like you can you can I can believe in the idea of all of these picks, right? Like, yeah, you get more opportunities, uh, more bodies. Uh, they only had this X number of picks going in, but now they have 11. Uh, the problem, though, to me is that, you know, six players from the sixth and the seventh round, that doesn't really do anything for you. And, and, and if, if they turn out to something, we will say Ryan Poles won a Super Bowl with sixth and seventh round picks. 
I'm telling yeah. you right now. Like, if they turn out to something, like if he gets two starters on the offensive line from Kramer and Carter, and then they get a safety who's a starter in Hicks, and then they have a, a seven-year punter in Gill who, who's there, like, we will look <laughs> back and we'll say, Ryan Poles built this franchise from nothing, from rubble. He built it up on sixth and seventh round picks, and we will we will applaud Ryan Poles. But unfortunately, when you look back on like the Bears draft history, sixth and seventh round pick guys don't really uh, play many games, and and not too many of them actually make the roster and make any impact. No, but you know how this works, right? Guys get hurt. So if he found depth at the position and just guys that aren't going to screw up, like that's all I ask for. If you're a backup, right? Just don't commit penalties. Don't screw up. Don't fumble. Like, just don't like be replace, be a replacement player, right? Like don't be a negative replacement. And so if you've got, if Doug Kramer has to come in and be, you know, the starting center because you're, because your guy goes down or if, you know, uh, Trenton Gill has to punt or if Jatire Carter has to be an offensive tackle or guard or whatever he's projected to be, just don't be like, if you make the roster, just don't be, I'm not saying don't be as, don't be worse because obviously they're backups for a reason, but don't cause problems. Don't be like a penalty magnet. Don't be that kind of thing. If that's what he's finding, if he just needs depth at the position, that's fine. Going back to something you said about uh, the Packers mm-hmm. and them trading away their best wide receiver, like I'm fine with them doing that. And we may have talked about this before. I'm fine with them doing that because, you know, they go out and they get Christian Watson. And Christian Watson from North Dakota State is yeah. just a guy that you can, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you just go, can you catch? And he goes, yeah, I, I, caught the, I caught the most, actually. I caught the most. And he's like, okay, cool. Well, put your hands up, and I'll get the ball to you. And he's like, okay, cool. You're Aaron Rodgers. You'll get the ball to me. Whereas, like, if you're Justin Fields or if, even if you're Ryan Tannehill and you trade away your best wide receiver, like, don't you feel better with that veteran guy who's proven like if I'm if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'll throw it to anybody. Like I don't care. Right. You, you, right, can, right. can you catch? Whatever. Right. You know, I'll I'll make you into a star. It doesn't matter. We've seen Tom Brady turn nobodies into stars before. We've seen Aaron Rodgers do it before. He's thrown out to after guys get injured, he's thrown it to nobody. They still make the playoffs. They make you know they make it to the second round, third round of the playoffs, whatever. Right. So if you've got guys that can just catch and you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, I'm not worried about it. But I feel like rookies and mediocre quarterbacks, and yes, Ryan Tannehill is mediocre. If you've got rookie guys or young guys, like Justin Fields is young, like it's not his rookie year, but still, you have young guys, they need that safety valve. I feel like having like a Debo Samuel or having, you know, an AJ Brown or whoever the next disgruntled wide receiver that wants to come to Chicago next year is, to me, that's more beneficial because you've got someone with experience coming in and helping out your young quarterback. Whereas, like, no veteran wide receiver is going to come in and tell Aaron Rodgers what to do, it's the opposite. Aaron Rodgers is going to tell you what to do because he's Aaron Rodgers and he's the best quarterback in the NFL. So like that to me, like it depends on the team, like with the Titans, it might not work out, but that doesn't mean that the system is flawed. It means that their quarterback is flawed with the Packers. It might work because their system works because they have Aaron Rodgers. Like I, I, I'm not, I just thought that you needed to get a better yeah. like second round yeah. pick. And someone that like someone like Christian Watson, I know he was gone. He wasn't available. I get that. Well, yeah, like, and th- Green Bay moved up to get him in the yeah, second round. But that would have been which, the guy. That, but when when that happened, the the first thing I said to myself is, of course, the team that moved up to go get him is our rival. When that's mm-hmm. one of our biggest needs. Yep. And, and that's a player that we will, as as Bears fans watching, like 
you can say the Bears could not have drafted him, but also you could say Green Bay seized the opportunity and went and landed a player that was on the board in a spot that they didn't have a pick. They yeah. moved up to get him. So they targeted that spot, and they said, okay, he's going to be there. We're going to go get him. Aaron Rodgers, here's your guy. No, absolutely. And I feel like it's a perfect fit for Christian Watson. And like you said, we're going to be watching catch, uh, Christian Watson catch touchdowns at Soldier Field for the next you know, five, six years with regularity, I think. Yeah, and it's going to be a problem. Yeah, but we, we have Kyler Gordon, and he's going to be covering Watson. And so take that. I like Kyler Gordon. I think he's so my only I. problem with I think my he's going to be really problem, good. My only problem with Kyler Gordon, and I said this when they drafted him, is that he is only a one-year starter. But, like, Washington just cranks out yeah. corners. Oh, yeah. And so, like, it's not a problem, I guess. But I would have liked to him for him to have a little more experience starting. But I think he's going to be a really good player. Anything else caught your eye from the NFL draft over the weekend? I watched, like, uh, five and a half hours of coverage on Saturday. I loved every minute of it. I think we were dead on about the quarterbacks, even though I thought I thought teams were – we were wrong about the GM's – uh, rushing to select them, but I think we were right about this being absolute garbage. Yeah, it's a, it's a, bu- it's a bunch of backup guys with one guy who has a a ceiling uh, in in Willis, uh, which may take some development. But like, even if you think, and I think that Kenny Pickett is going to be the starter in Pittsburgh at some point this season, like the ceiling on Pickett is very low compared to. You know, what we've seen in previous years, especially last year with the five quarterbacks that went in the first round. Yeah. It's also interesting that the Bears took a corner and a safety after uh, the Lions drafted Jameson Williams. They're scared of the Alabama product. I get it. Well, no, but that's another team moving up to get like, like, I think one of the themes from the draft was this teams that have young quarterbacks, they went out and they got players for their young quarterback. Whether yeah. it was in trades or drafting, uh, we could look at Miami with Tua, uh, Philly with Jalen Hurts, and mm-hmm. then also we could look at Detroit and you say, hey, they don't have their young quarterback. See, that's the key. They're planning for their young quarterback, which they'll mm-hmm. likely draft next year. I'm so, glad so, Dan Campbell listened to me. I'm so glad he Detroit, heard the show. Yeah, I'm I glad mean, he listened to me. I'm glad he went into his office and said, hey, listen, I heard Black Abdallah. I heard what they said about us being bad this year. We should be bad this year. And instead of reuniting a quarterback and wide receiver, we'll do the opposite. We'll draft the wide receiver, and then next year we'll draft Bryce Young and get that tandem back together. All right, Abdallah, it was good to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> good, good to hear from you. Uh, I'm sorry I, I uh, sound uh, bad. I, I have COVID. Oh, uh, well, uh, we were just moving along, having our Bears conversation here on the Bears podcast. No, I'm just podcast. like, people are going to be like, why does Abdallah did sound I, like did, did you want me to get breaking news for you for, for no, that no, announcement? No, 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 I just want, I, when people are like, why does Abdallah sound like crap? It's going to be because I, I have, I caught COVID. I don't know when, but I have it. And All right. Well, so enjoy, uh, enjoy this. <laughs> the, the moderns of the modern way of technology. We can still do the show. But I'm sorry, I sound bad. All right, uh, you you didn't have to come. You're like, it's cool if you want to come clean. Uh, We were just going to move it along with Bears conversation, and uh, you're at home, and and we're uh, still getting the podcast done. Uh, yeah, but the- people want to know. People are like, why is Abdallah at home? <laughs> like, where's well, like, he get suspended? Well, What's going on? Why is he at home? He's going to be at home for a few more days. Uh, yeah, from yeah, what we can is. tell. Um, <laughs> but you're, you're all good. Uh, good symptoms? Yeah, you got some good, yeah, good hearty symptoms there? 
I, I would, yeah, I mean, I'm fine. Thank God I'm fine. I mean, like it's a, it's a, you know, whatever, like I've got the body aches and I was mostly worried about my taste and smell. Cause I like eating and yeah. I don't want, <laughs> I want to be able to taste my food when I'm eating it. I didn't, but I yeah. didn't lose either when, uh, when I had COVID over, uh, Christmas, I, I didn't lose either taste, smell. I just had like, it, it felt like a, uh, head cold. That's all it felt. Yeah. Like. That's, that's kind of what it feels like. I don't even have a fever. Like it's just like, uh, sore throat and some body ache and like it's just like oh yeah you're kind of you're kind of sick so it's like yeah but then i uh you know you do the old test and you're like oh man and then you test again you're like ah that's a double that's a doubler (laughs) well i did that uh right before going to christmas eve uh dinner yeah i I did did the same we we did the triple test because yeah so uh, did i it was like oh uh, christmas is ruined now It's very weird that we both got them on our respective holidays because like I started to feel like the tickle in the throat and I was like, oh crap, I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of old people because it's the end of Ramadan and like my family and my uncles who are very immune compromised because they're very old and it's like, all right, well, I should probably test. It's like, oh, nope. There it is. Nope. Guess I'm I'm not uh, Eid Mubarak to me. At home by yourself. (laughs) At at home by myself. (laughs) Just me and the dog. Uh, to continue here on the Bear Down podcast, yesterday I got a chance to talk with Christian Capel. Uh, he works for The Athletic. He covers the Washington Huskies. Um, we talked about Kyler Gordon. So, Abdal, uh, we will talk to you later here on the podcast. But now we're going to hear from uh, Christian Capel, who gave us his thoughts on Kyler Gordon, who's heading to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I mean, he came in as one of the athletic, most athletic guys in the program from day one. It's interesting. I know he didn't. He didn't test off the charts exactly. I know he didn't run the, the 40 time that, that probably he was hoping for and a lot of people were hoping for. And, you know, a, a 39 and a half inch vertical for him almost seems pedestrian at this point compared to and what he's done in the past and kind of what the expectations were. But we watched the film. I mean, he is he's a very explosive athlete, great change of direction, short area speed, great burst. Um, he's he's also really tough and a really good tackler. You know, he's not, he, he's definitely not, um, as Jimmy Lake, their former coach, liked to say, they, they didn't recruit cover corners. You know, they didn't recruit right. specialty defensive backs. They, they wanted guys who could cover. They wanted guys who were going to be willing and tough against the run and, and be able to do everything that, that they were asked to do. And that was definitely Kyler Gordon. Um, he, you know, he, he wasn't a day one starter. Um, he redshirted. He he fought for time. Um, he he needed to develop his his man coverage skills and some of his technique. And um, it's interesting to kind of compare him to to Trent McDuffie that way, right? They they were starters together at corner last year, and you know first and, and second round picks respectively. And you know McDuffie was kind of a a day one ready made guy coming into college. Kyler Gordon kind of had to had to battle a little more, but um, both of those guys were were lockdown corners for them last year and. Um, yeah, I mean, I just say a, a really athletic, tough player who's, um, you know, kind of kind of had to battle to, to get to where he's he's at now. I, I'd say being uh, tough, being part of the key for for Bears fans because they see a player like this and the secondary last year for the Chicago Bears it was terrible. Uh, not only did they give up a lot of air yardage, but also uh, you could see that they couldn't get up to the line of scrimmage and help with the run game. And that's where with Kyler Gordon, I saw that he he's sixth on the team in tackles last season. You mentioned his ability to to play. Uh, and, and to get his nose in there and kind of help in the run game, uh, as far as what you saw, that should translate to the next level, right? 
Yeah, I would think so. And, and it's interesting, you know, he's sixth on the team in tackles because he was he was up there. I mean, in terms of PFF, he was up there in you know fewest targets per coverage snap. So it's it's not like he was getting the ball thrown to the guy he was covering a ton either. So a lot of those tackles were in the run game or, or helping out when the, the ball went somewhere else. Um, you know, there was, there was one play against California early in the season, a game they won in overtime. He had a, just a great game overall. He had two interceptions in that game. One of them was a, a toe tapping, you know, sideline catch the way that, that you'd see a receiver make. Yeah. Um, but then uh, there was, there was either a fourth and one or fourth and two play um, really key play late in the game where they, they threw to a, uh, I think it was to a back out of the backfield or, or maybe just somebody in the flat and, Guy caught it maybe a yard behind the sticks and looked for all the world like this is just going to be an easy. He's going to finish this run. It's going to be an easy first down. Um, but Gordon recognized it. He he hit him, stood him up, stopped him in his tracks, and, and finished the tackle. And and they weren't you know didn't convert it, and they they were able to get off the field. So he makes a lot of plays like that. He was really good in the flat. Um, you know and that's where that kind of explosion and burst comes into play right where he, he recognizes it and he just goes and I think he, he got a lot better instinctually that way as his career went along but yeah I mean he's seemed to have a knack for for being around the ball um, for getting the ball out you know he forced a couple fumbles that were pretty impressive um, so yeah not a not a guy who's going to shy away from a hit um, you know there's always technique things to clean up and you know recognition stuff to clean up at the next level especially he's going to have some things to learn but um, he, he's always going to put his nose in there, and he's not going to shy away from hitting anybody at all. We're talking about the new Bears cornerback, Kyler Gordon, who the Bears took in the second round of the NFL draft this weekend with Christian Capel, athletic uh, reporter who covers Washington Huskies football. So we're talking Huskies football, and we're talking about Kyler Gordon. You know, the one thing that I saw in the highlights, Christian, is that also playing in space, it seemed as if he was very opportunistic in seeing something before it took place, whether it was that a pass was going to a different wide wide receiver that he wasn't covering and being able to leave his man to go try and make a play on the ball. Is that something where it's boom or bust, where if you see the interception, you see the pass deflection, it's a positive, but otherwise he's maybe gambling a little too much? You know, I don't know that that stood out necessarily. I think some of that, there just weren't a ton of opportunities for those guys. Um, they, Washington's run defense was really bad last year, um, and their own offense was really bad last year. So a lot of teams kept the ball on the ground. They knew they didn't have to win a high-scoring game. They didn't, they didn't have to score fast or put a ton of points on the board to beat them. Um, so, that you know, they're just they didn't play a ton of teams that were putting the ball up a lot. So maybe there just weren't very many opportunities that way. I think it's just he – you know, coaches came to trust his athleticism, you know, by his, his fourth year in the program last year, you know, he was pretty clearly one of their most important guys and one of their most dynamic athletes. And, you know, when they've had someone like that, I think they've put a little more autonomy on their plate where, you know, it's always, Hey, do your job first. Um, but if, if you're going to step outside your lane and step outside your job, then you got to make the play. I think he was somebody that they trusted that way a little more later in his career than earlier on. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I do. I do think he came to be pretty. You know, he, he improved his recognition. Certainly, I think there's a lot of room to grow in that area as well. Um, but I, I don't know that you saw him necessarily take very many bad risks last year that didn't pay off. You know, last year with uh, the Huskies, uh, I get a chance to the host the college football show here on our radio station, uh, Chicago's College Tailgate, and in Washington football, they they were brutal. What four and eight last season? They fire their second year coach mid season. What went on with the Huskies last year and Jimmy Lake? What what took place there? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think it started. Everything kind of kind of goes back to the offense and um, the coordinator who Jimmy Lake hired, John Donovan, um, it, right after he got the job in January 2020. You know, he, he installed a pro style system that was you know wanted everybody to be big and strong and tough and and you know mash the ball between the tackles and multiple tight ends and maybe build some play action off of that. But you know, really wanted to be ground and pound, play bully ball and and have this, you know, really tough physical identity. And, um, you know, they lost to Montana 13-7 to in the first week. And it was just like this, it just didn't work. And the offense didn't seem to get better. They never clicked. They never got the passing game going. Um, they, they really thought that above all else, they were going to have this awesome O-line with a great running game. And that wound up being their, their biggest weakness. Um, and, yeah, so it, it all kind of traces back to that. And then, you know, there, there were some more cultural problems. They had a coaching staff that I think it's, it's been pretty well publicized, didn't get along all that well. And uh, I think that trickled into the locker room a little bit. And then you had, you know, the, the sideline incident that, that got Jimmy Lake suspended and people had differing opinions about that. And, and they fired him a week later. But, I mean, I think it all, you can trace it all back to the offense. You know, it's been said a lot that, if they if they'd had even like a, a league average offense or an FBS average offense, you know their defense was good enough to win eight, nine, maybe ten games if they caught a couple breaks. But um, instead, they had you know one of the worst offenses in the Pac-12 and certainly one of the worst running games in the Pac-12, and um, it all it all kind of went sideways from there. Looking forward, what do you expect from Washington next season? You know, I think it's a fair expectation for them to at least get back on the right side of 500 and make it back to a bowl game. Um, I, I think the struggles, you know, this was not like they were an offensive juggernaut um, finishing up Chris Peterson's tenure. You know, they they kind of had had some struggles on that side of the ball for a few years, and so it came to a head last year. But you know, I think that was sort of one of the reasons why they prioritized somebody with the an offensive background who um, you know had some proven results on his resume, and you know, Kalen DeBoer is that right? He, comes from a Fresno State program where, you know, Jake Hayner, who was a transfer from Washington, threw for over 4,000 yards for them last year. They put up a bunch of, put up a bunch of big numbers, and um, they're definitely known for uh, throwing the ball around a little bit more, and, and we saw some of that this spring. So I think the expectation is a 500 or better season and a, a functional offense that looks like it, you know, it, it knows who it wants to get the ball to and, and is going to take advantage of some of the playmakers they have. And Christian, before I let you go, and thanks for your time, uh, when we look at Kyler Gordon, is there anything off the field that when you look at the player, you say, yeah, the makeup there is exactly the type of player a team looking to build a new culture and a new front office and everyone trying to change directions here in Chicago to be uh, to kind of get into the direction of a winning program? Is that the type of player that Kyler Gordon is uh, going to fit in here? Is that he's going to bring that to the table? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. There wasn't a single thing um, that I saw or heard from his time at Washington to make me think that he'd be anything other than totally locked in. You know, he he was there four years, um, which <laughs> nowadays that's that's almost kind of an accomplishment in itself, right? right, it's right. A lot of people who doesn't work for him right away or they're not starting right away, they, they kind of get a wandering eye. And um, he stuck it out. He battled. Um, he And then, you know, I, I think it says a lot, too. He, he was there special teams player of the year for, for their team two years in a row in 2019 and 2020. So even as he was kind of fighting for playing time defensively, he was always really committed to that aspect of the game. Um, he was, 
he was a key player for them, like winning field position a bunch. He he could he was really good at getting down the field fast and, and down in the ball near the end zone. And um, you know, it's kind of too bad he never really got a chance to return kicks or punts because he was really good at that in high school. I think that was something that they were considering him for as a recruit. But um, you know, just to, he's a team guy. He's always been willing to to do whatever's asked of him, and you know, had to wait his turn a little bit in terms of being a really key player. But um, saw all of that you know work out for him this this last year and. You know, especially hearing his name called in the second round of the draft. Thank you, Christian. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Good conversation with Christian Capel of The Athletic talking about Kyler Gordon, the Bears' uh, first pick in the second round as we recap the NFL draft. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah. This has been the Bear Down Podcast. Make sure you also download the Black and Abdallah Podcast, which you can find right here on the ESPN Chicago app. We'll talk to you next time here on the Bear Down Podcast.